Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is South African wheelchair tennis champion. Kotato Montiani, who has made significant achievements in 2023's Grand Slam circuit, winning doubles at the US Open and French Open, placing second in doubles at Wimbledon and semi-finalist in doubles at the Australian Open. The International Tennis Federation ranks her currently as ninth in the world. That's one of the world's top 10 players. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Kotato, first of all, congratulations on your two recent double Grand Slam wins this year, US Open and, and Roland Garros. Spectacular performance. Well done. Thank you so much. You know, it's been it's been long coming. I just didn't know when and I just didn't know which one was coming first. But uh, I'm just grateful, to, you know, to, to finally reach this milestone. It's such a motivation for me to just like keep pushing and keep working hard. How has life changed for you now? <laughs> I don't think it has changed anyway, anyhow. It hasn't changed at all, you know. For me, this is just the moment for me to, you know, be more motivated. I know I've been getting a lot of media coverage, but at the same time, I feel like it's really important for me to share myself with the people. And the only way I can do that, it's, you know, going out there, you know, talking to the media and, yeah, also hopefully trying to make sure that people develop an interest in in tennis, you know, because we're in in the communities where I come from. It's not a popular sport. So I just feel like this is the chance and the moment to, to really, really, you know, bring people closer and see if they can have interest in the sport. Definitely. You've certainly got a role modeling effect. And when I reflect on all of these dynamics, you know, you've you've got these achievements now as these big wins. But the reality is they are the result of years of dedication that you've invested into your sport. Definitely. I mean, I've been in this sport, I mean, for the longest time now. I know I just picked up the racket at 19 and the least I would have ever imagined is being where I am at the moment. And yeah, you know, having to figure out this sport, it has been, you know, the toughest thing of my life. But, you know, I think that's what I love about it, the challenges that are involved, you know. So this is just, yeah, all the hard work that's been done in the past, you know, all the learning that that I keep doing in the sport, you know, because if you don't know, picking up a racket at 19 and trying to become a professional is it's just so unrealistic. So, yeah, it's just all, you know, the perseverance to just keep going. There's just the courage to just, like, take a risk to do it, even if you don't know it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's finally, you know, paying off. Let's talk about the beginnings for a moment, because you're right. When we hear about people in their, their sports, they've started at a really, really young age, and they've kind of grown in the sport. But you picked up the racket at 19. Tell us how it came about. Yeah, I mean, I was in the final year of high school, and uh, when when tennis was, I think it was introduced, or it was already there in the in the country. I don't know, but wheelchair tennis, I think, was being introduced. And the school, you know, 
said to me I must go and try, but I wasn't so keen to do it because, I mean, I was in the final year of high school, you know. All you want is to, you know, study, get good grades and stuff like that. But simply because I've always been involved in sport, I was a very athletic when I was at school. So, I, I, I mean, I came to understand maybe that's why they picked me to go and try it out and represent the school. And that's where it all started, you know. And after trying it out, coming back, I just thought, well, well, next I'm going to university. I don't have to worry about this sporting code. But when I went to university, <laughs> wheelchair tennis, it was the only sport for people with disability that was active. You know, when I wanted to, you know, have something to do after classes just to keep busy. So basically, I just took it up, but it was just a hobby, to be honest. But there were guys who were playing at university, so I had to learn so much from them. But Honestly, it wasn't. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to become a pro. I just did it because I love playing sport and I just wanted something to do after after classes. But uh, yeah, towards finishing my studies, and then they said to me, "We'll check tennis out." I said, "Come and try it full time. If you don't like it, you will stop." And I, I mean, I just sort of gave it a chance, you know, and started learning more because that's when I started getting coaching in 2010 and. You know, given me an opportunity to travel, I was I just thought it was cool, you know, as a young person traveling the world. It's like, well, why not? That's how it all started. And yeah, the next thing I found myself playing in Grand Slams, the next thing here we are. <laughs> Brilliant. How big is wheelchair tennis in South Africa as a sport? It used to be really big back in the years, but after we've lost a huge, huge sponsor, you know, at the moment, yeah, it's just touch and goes, you know, it's not as big as it used to because we don't even have local tournaments anymore because of the issue of, you know, funding. So at the moment, it's just touch and go. It's not as big as it used to, but uh, we do have quite a lot of talented and quite a lot of players out there who are just waiting for that opportunity to to come again and hopefully should we have that support back hopefully our programs will start showing off how much talent we we do have here in the country you mentioned sponsors it's such a crucial aspect in literally every sports person that i've spoken to how do you manage to secure those those sponsorships to support you and the, the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, I'm just so fortunate. I'm in a better place whereby I am signed under the agency, Optimize Agency. So they are the ones who literally go out and look for sponsors for me and yeah there's just like my management team but yeah and it's headed by a woman you know when I first met them it was her and her sister running this whole thing but yeah for me you know honestly I've just been given opportunity by by women and I'm grateful for that so I mean uh, I'm in great hands so I have a team that uh, makes sure that uh at least I have the bare minimum that I need to to have. You know, I have you know the basics, which it's it's utmost importance more than anything. For me, what's more important is to be able to to go out and compete. And uh, so far, so good. They've been making sure that uh, I don't cry again about the issue of funding. So yeah. 
And tell us for a moment about your support structures, because although you are you know, either playing in your single capacity or playing with a, a partner in, in a doubles competition, the reality is that behind you is this network of support, whether it's coaches, whether it's uh, nutritionists, dietitians, uh, psychologists, funding. Tell us a little about how your support structure works and, and how that enables you. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we're talking about sponsorship because sponsorship that's actually what enables all all those things you just mentioned. You know, at the moment, I, I just feel like the only luxury that I'm really enjoying at the moment is just to be able to have a sports psychologist. You know, which is really important. And uh, what 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 my agency did, being able to get funds to a point whereby I can have access to sports psychology, which I feel like it has always been the area that that lacks so much. I'm really grateful for that. So the entire team play a role in an individual sport. You can't really do it by yourself. So you need this whole backing up and also being able to have access to physios and massage just just now and then. So so with the sponsors that they brought in, I'm able to at least, you know, be able to have a physio whenever I'm training here at home as much as I can travel with my physio my uh, my my sports psychologist, you know, but they are just people I have access to even when I'm out there and I'm struggling with something. I can reach out and, yeah, freely knowing that that's covered, you know. I know we're not where we really want to be, you know, but uh, I'm just grateful for, for the support that I have at the moment. And it means a lot because that's just like my team. It just feels like that's all I have. And without them, I don't think I would be, you know, be able to achieve what I'm achieving at the moment. A team within a team. I know you do a lot of international travel, taking you to various tournaments. Can you tell us how your partnership developed with Yui Komiji, if I'm pronouncing her her name right, and, and how you decided to team up? So South Africa plus Japan. Yeah, me and Yui, we we are friends, you know, and uh, obviously Yui, she has always been really active in doubles. She had a solid partner that they played for so many years, but when her partner retired, obviously she had to try other players to see who could be a good match for her. We spoke about it but we were not so keen because we were more worried about our friendship. You know, you know when you play doubles, it can get so tense on court sometimes. If one is not, you know, playing up to standard and stuff like that. So, it, yeah, we, we were so hesitant to really do it simply because of that. What if it goes wrong? What's going to happen to us off court? So, we, yeah, we, we put on the back foot and, but, yeah, some other time we're just like, maybe let's give it a try and see how it goes, you know. What happens on court must stay on court. That's what we said. But, uh, yeah, in the last day when we when we tried to play together, it's just, I was injured. But I, I was honest with her that, you know, I'm, I'm injured. I'm not playing my best tennis at the moment. So I'm just going to do the best that I can. But hopefully in the next year, referring to this year, that uh, if you are still keen, you know, maybe I'll be feeling better and I'll be able to 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 bring my A game and see how this partnership works. And, you know, <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. We're doing well. We're doing well. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we took uh, that leap of faith <laughs> to risk friendship. But 
we just we we just connect so well on a personal level that it makes it easier for us to to play together. That's magic. It seems as though this year there's kind of been ongoing rivalry between you and Yumi and Dia de, de Groot and Anik van Groot from the Netherlands. They will win one, then you'll win. How does the competitiveness work? Yeah, it's quite it's quite great. It is a rivalry. We're enjoying it and we we we, we were hoping we we can have more of it, but it's unfortunate next year the Paralympic year and, you know, it might make things different for us, but we're sort of enjoying it because the Dutch team is so good. I mean, they train together, so it makes sense why they are so strong, their combination. So for us, as much as we live in two different parts of the world, we were always so eager to, to really beat them. We always believe that they're beatable. As much as they've been dominant in singles, me and you were always sitting down figuring out strategies, you know, <laughs> on how to beat them. So, yeah, it's uh, it's quite exciting. And it's good that they really do have a challenge because they used to dominate quite a lot that they even had, like, quite a lot of pairs in doubles and they used to dominate. So it's good to see just people from different countries really, really pushing them, making them, you know, fight for, for, for those titles. So it's, uh, it's quite exciting. The fact that... You compete right there at at the top. I mean, it, it's given you insight into not only what it takes in your journey to get to the top, but more importantly, how to stay there. Can you tell us what you've learned about your own endurance and and personal limits? Yeah, look, uh, you, you know, with wheelchair tennis, simply because it it requires a lot of upper body strength and so you need to work on that i'm that person who was not scared to really take some time off in the middle of the year just to make sure that i work on that because i know once you work on your fitness and strengthening it can carry you longer you know so you should be able to 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 take a risk to be like yeah i won't be playing in this coming months i'm just gonna dedicate it to work on my fitness because you you don't want to be getting injured just now and then and you the conditions we play in like recently coming from the US it was so hot there are certain players who couldn't even make it to the last day because the conditions were just so so you need to you know make sure that you are fit enough to be able to handle whatever conditions that you come across like you know a game of tennis can take an hour it can take beyond that so you you really need to make sure that whatever sort of training that you're doing, you're accommodating such things. So it should always be in mind that whatever I do, should I have to play a three-hour match, I should be able to play until the last point, you know. So, yeah, the fitness, I think, is just the critical part of the game, simply because you need your arms to hit the ball, you need your arms to push the chair. So it's uh, it's it's quite important yeah, and at the end of the day, it's a mental game also. You need to put that those hours in doing your mental training as much as you do your physical training. So it, it's quite important to really make sure that uh, you take some time out, that those players will enjoy just like playing every month. And, you know, so I think it's different for every player. It looks very physically demanding with a lot of coordination. One hand on the racket, another hand on the wheel, but as you were talking, I thought you've got a, a lot of endurance because three hours in a game, apart from the physical aspect of it, 
tell us about some of the mental processes because one can always look at the physicality and go, okay, yeah, we need fitness, you need these these components. But what goes through your mind? Give us some insight into some of the training from a mental point of view. Look, uh, you know, obviously breathing is just the biggest aspect of the game or this the biggest tool you can ever use, you know, when coming to your your mental training. And obviously there are different kinds of breathing, you know, like when you want to up your heart rate, when you want to balance your anxiety on court, you know, or your arousal. So you need to be able to do that. But the most important thing, you know, it's a, how you talk to yourself, you know, it's quite important because what you say to yourself in the middle of the match, that's what's important. So you need to learn or train yourself to really be kind, show yourself grace, be positive towards yourself because if you are not, then uh, you might not even see where the hour went in a match, you know, so, so it's quite important when you do your mental training that uh, with all your breathing techniques, with all the self-talk, that you are kind to yourself. You are very much positive, you know, and you are you're able to acknowledge and accept certain situations within the match, you know. So you, you teach yourself that. You teach yourself that. But also it's good that those things, they end up, you know, going towards your life in general, on how you deal with uh, certain things in your personal life. So, yeah, that's that's what men- mental training is. You know, meditation, it's important, you know. I know people will like, it's hard to concentrate. Yes, it's, it's hard to just, like, blank your mind for a couple of seconds, but you train it to, to be able to do that. If when I play, I don't want to be thinking anything, I have to train that my head needs to be empty and I, I have to practice it as much as I practice tennis. So it's the same thing. So you do the same thing with the mind. You want to shut it down or shut it up, you shut it up, you train that, how to shut it up. And you know when it happens and you know when to do it. So that's uh, that's what it takes, you know. So, so interesting. And as you say, it has benefits beyond the game, but into your personal life too. Yeah. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and today we're talking to South African wheelchair tennis champion, Kotato Montiani. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Do you have a saying or a motto that that gets you going? <laughs> Not necessarily, but I, I don't know. I just normally just be like, you know, just be positive. Just you can do it. You know, you can do it. Next point. You know, get it back. If you lose it, get it back. Next point. This is like variation of things that I say, but they have to be positive. They have to be positive, yeah. It sounds like it's a a forward um, view. So something happens, move on. You can't undo what's just taken place, so move on. That's true. That's a fact. And that's how life is. What happens in the past, you can't really do anything about it, but you can do something about what's what's about to come, you know. So, yeah, that's how you handle it, to be honest. So you've shared with us some of the preparations that go into your training and to place you on court. Can you tell us about a few of your greatest highlights on the court? Oh, my greatest highlights on court. (laughs) 
I don't know. Like I'm a very versatile. I'm a very versatile player. So, but uh, I would just say in my career, there are a few highlights that I have because you know, not knowing much about the sport, I think it's just what's so interesting about my career because. Every time I achieve something and you read in the media, oh, she's the first one to do this. And for me, I'm always like, oh, wow, you know. (laughs) But for me, those are just the highlights because, like I mentioned before, from where I'm coming from, you know, tennis is not a popular sport. So I always imagine, you know, a young kid who's from a similar background or similar community as me and can realize that, you know, there's someone who's from a similar background as me and is able to do this, you know. So they might throw that as motivation. So it must spark inspiration in them. So such things, you know, it's what I live for because I'm I'm so, so much into change. I don't like this narrative that, uh, you know, tennis is a white sport, which I understand why they say that, but uh, I just feel like it's important for me to just like keep going, just to give people hope, mostly people from Africa who are not so dominant into the sport because sometimes we feel like we don't belong there, but I just want them to be eager to know that they can achieve anything that they want in in life. Could it be tennis? Could it be golf? Whatever they want to be, you know, so... Yeah, so such moments when I do well and I hear things like that, I'm just like, you know, there might be a young person out there who really want to come and do it better than I, I did it, you know. So, yeah. And you know what else with what you're saying? I think that a lot of it is also visibility because if people, one, don't see the sport happening, don't see it on TV, they're not exposed to it. Two, if they don't see people like you from their backgrounds who they can identify with, then they also can't really see themselves playing the game. Yeah, definitely. The, I mean, representation is really, really important. You know, it's uh, like you're saying, where I come from, never seen, never seen tennis before, never knew anything about it until this just said played, you know. So those things, they make a difference when, uh, when when people can see something. Sometimes they can identify themselves. So the issue of representation is quite, it's quite important, you know. And uh, I, I believe that's why some of us, we're doing what we're doing despite all the challenges that we come across because you want to inspire that interest and change into people that it can be done. It doesn't matter where you're from, you know, so... Yeah. How do you think we can get more exposure? Is it sponsorship? Is it encouraging the media to do more interviews? What do you think we need to do? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a thing of working together, you know, the media, the community. And, you know, we know that the media at the moment is just the best tool to really get to the people. So, they hold actually that responsibility to make sure that people know about certain things. So the media is just uh, one of the greatest to to really put the message out there or show people what's really what's really out there. So yeah, and just working together hand in hand with those who did it, with those who know how it was done, it, it's what will actually you know make a proper change, you know. One of my criticisms from a media point of view, though, is often there will be coverage of mainstream sport, especially 
male mainstream sport. And there isn't nearly enough or, or half the type of exposure for women's sports. And we see how that impacts from a sponsorship point of view, how funding going into driving women's sports is is impacted. Have you got any suggestions on, on how we can look at doing some improvements there, given your international exposure and, and what's happening for women around the world? Yeah, I just think we just need to keep talking about it. You know, we just need to keep being loud about it until until it's heard. I mean, we, we, we've seen that uh, with the tennis, you know, Billie Jean King and the other nine ladies, when they just started coming up with the thing of equal prize money, they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and then there was change. So I just feel like women in sport in general, we just need to keep making noise. I mean, there, we, we can see there are things starting to change a bit, of, but it's so slow. I mean, it's so slow, but the most important thing is just for us to keep talking about it, you know. And, um, yeah, hopefully we, we we might be creating a path for, for, for the new generation, but we shouldn't hold back and feel sorry that we're not getting the attention that we, we, we need to be getting. But the most important thing is is to, to be loud about it and not be quiet and not let them, you know, shut us up. So our voices will be more important no matter no matter what happens. We just have to speak up. You spoke about prize money. So is there gender parity in prize money? Are men and women paid equally? Yeah, that's how it's done in tennis, you know. That's how it's done. So there is equal, as long as like in Grand Slams, whereby it's a tournament for both men and women, it is equal prize money, period. That's how it's done in tennis. So that's why even I see even in the women's soccer, they're trying to push that. I feel like that's what's right. It is what's you know, right. right. Yeah, so it's just forget about who is viewed a lot, what who brings sponsors, you know. The more you can put it on the same level, that's the model attract similar, you know. But if you push another one out, then you're going to feel like they don't bring enough coverage and stuff like that. But if you give them coverage, they might bring all those sponsors you're looking. But if you don't give them a chance, then you wouldn't know. We see, we've see, we seen it at the U.S. Open. Coco's match was watched more than Djokovic's match. So what do you have to say about that? So that's why it's important that as women in sport, we just need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And that there will be change at the end of the day. You're right. It is this constant effort and and push to get ahead what words of advice or encouragement would you share with aspiring wheelchair tennis players look i would just say to them that uh be hopeful you know remain hopeful in any situation or circumstances that you can ever be and uh just believe also just believe in in what you're trying to achieve in in life, you know, so remain hopeful and, and keep believing, you know, because sometimes we are so impatient with ourselves that the minute we give up, we were closer to what we were meant to achieve. So I just, I just want them to remain hopeful and believe in what they in what they do. Just, just never give up. Very important words. Your foray into tennis. You said you started up at 19, then you kind of turned things down, went to university, 
picked up the sport again, but your focus was with your studies. And we know that education is incredibly important. You hold a BSc in recreation and leisure, which you attained from University of Venda. What role would you say that education has played in your life? Yeah, for me, I just feel like education is just a way to really help you, you know, navigate life and navigate the world, you know. So you, yeah, no one can really, no one can really teaches you how to really navigate life or or this world. This like, cause there's just no manual to to live life. But when you are educated enough, you you you're going to know better that you know I need to read. You know, I need to keep teaching myself something, you know. So that's what education brings. So so that you can equip yourself more with certain skills. But I feel like when you're not educated, you just don't even know what happens around the world. You become so ignorant. But when you're educated, you always you will always know what's happening around you, what's happening around the world. You know, all the changes that a lot of people didn't see COVID coming, but there are those who were, who knew what's happening around the world and they got ready for that. You know what I'm saying? So education is of important. And uh, mostly I know people be like, go to school so that you have a backup as an athlete. And, 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 and. It's, it's not even for that. It's just education is just a life skill on its own. It's it's of important for one to to have. Because, like I said, life doesn't have manual. It, you have yourself to really figure things out. And I feel like with a little bit of education, that's where you are better off in navigating a lot of stuff in, in life. Personal growth seems to be very important for you, but not only in the investments that you do for yourself, but you also have a, a give back philosophy. And I know that you'd set up the Montiani Sports Development Foundation Tell us about some of its aims and perhaps a few projects that you've got underway. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for 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 me, the aim or the purpose of this foundation is just to be able to to bring those sporting activities that are not there in the disadvantaged communities to them. So basically the plan is to go out there, erect facilities and, you know, have sustainable programs, you know, so that the community or schools or people can engage into it. People must know those things, they exist, you know, because communities where I come from, even to watch sport i mean it's luxury on tv you know because you have to have those channels where you can watch a sport like tennis but just imagine if you take it to them and you teach them how it's played you know that it might make a huge uh, a huge difference so that's 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 what i want to do with my foundation i really want to take those sporting codes that you know they're only in the cities to those rural areas I believe that's where the talent is because I could I can see by myself. So I always like I'm think I was just imagining what if I started at a young age, if I knew about it, if I was exposed to it. So yeah, it's just about giving others the opportunities, you know, that I, that I never had. So that that's what I wanted to. So it, it will be more about that, you know, having facilities and yeah most importantly running sustainable programs you know I have so many ideas about how I want to do all these things you know because 
Yeah, even job creation comes in, education comes in. I have a bigger picture, but obviously I have to, yes, that's small. And I know we're going to be doing a tennis court in one of the schools in Limpopo, in Sanin, out in the rural there, because they don't, it's a school for people with disabilities. So we're going to have, we're going to go do a tennis court there. You know, and it's easier because it's in a school setting, so it, it it should be even much easier to 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 run. You know, the program. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but it's something that I really want to expand to online provinces and even beyond Africa. Should uh, should the foundation to do well? So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Just have to keep pushing and believing it can work out. That's a fantastic initiative. Are you, if people want to uh, provide funding to you, how, how do they go about doing that to support you? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, just whoever can donate, you know, on my website, there's a bit of my foundation information there on my personal website, you know, so it's because uh, it's not something big yet. At the moment, I just have my personal sponsors helping me. Like even this project, the funding comes from one of my sponsors, Solvay, that's based in uh in uh, in Belgium. So I, I, yeah, I was telling them that, you know, there's this pool that they love sports so much, but you know, they always ask me, how can they have a court? And I was like, yeah, keep looking for funding and stuff. So they're the ones who actually help with the funds to go do that. So it's just about, yeah, people donating through through my website. There are details there. But this is just going to be one of our biggest, because uh, in the past we were just doing like sports day in, in schools. But yeah, this is just one going to be the biggest project that we've ever done. So I'm just so excited, looking looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, also going to see how I can evolve some of my sponsors and see how we can how we can help. You've got this deep sense of care, passion for your sport, passion for your people, and I love the philosophy of taking sport to the people. As we come towards the latter part of the show, one question I ask all my guests is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. Some people talk about a particular person in their life, values, faith, perseverance. In your opinion, what have been some of your key drivers? Yeah, I, I just, I think, I think it's people, you know, I think it's people like, like I said, I've, feel like people who gave me the most opportunities have been women and it's been it's been very humble people who are so giving you know so they inspired that in me to actually keep paying it forward because having to look at them work tirelessly but give without expectations and I'm like you know, give me the thing that actually there are so many kind people in this world. So, and for me, it has been women, you know, like one of my managers, I know one of the former first lady in South Africa. These are people who given me opportunities. And also my mom, you know, having to have a kid with disability and not be shy to put that kid out there in the world. I actually draw inspiration from that because back in the past, a lot of parents were hiding their kids. So such things, you know, they, they, they give me so much meaning to, to life, you know. So, so that's why it's so important for me to, to really be kind, you know, and the humbleness. People never say you are too humble, but I'm like, 
when you are humble, you are humble. And when you keep coming across people who are humble, who validate their humbleness, that, you know, it's actually out there. They are humble people, you know. So it, it is what drives me. And I constantly have this thing that I have seen it, you know, I've seen it and I know it exists. So it's of important to just keep spreading it and sharing it, you know. Yeah, and yeah, and also teaching others that, uh, you know, you need to be humble, you need to be kind, you know, you should show grace, you know, because I came across those people and, and I, I'm just one of them, just one of them, the brushes on me while I was still young, trying to identify who I am. And yeah, it's just the gospel that I want to keep preaching because I have witnessed it. Those are wonderful qualities, grace, kindness, being humble. Lastly, as we close out today's conversation, please use this platform to share a few words of inspiration or, or motivation with girls and women who are listening to us on the continent. Yeah, look, I'm just going to say it again, you know, remain hopeful, you know, be positive, be be kind to yourself. You know, you need to practice with yourself first before you're going to say to others that you are kind, you know, when you when you are kind with yourself, you're going to be able to show it to others, you know. So be hopeful, be positive, be kind to yourself, show grace, keep believing, you know, no matter the circumstances, just never lose that. And to keep believing in yourself. And sometimes when people believe in you and you don't believe in yourself, just like fake it until you make it. So yeah, those are just the, the things I will leave them with. Because we live in the world of possibilities, you know, they need to keep that in mind. Great lesson. Very inspiring. Love that. We live in a world of possibilities. Show kindness to yourself. Show kindness to others. Be humble. Be hopeful. And uh, live with grace. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to South African wheelchair tennis champion Khotato Montiani, who is the 2023 US Open and French Open doubles champion.